What is up, guys? My name is Logan Shamelon, and this is the Defying Odds podcast. Today, I have on Corey Texture. He's a professional flat track racer, and he went to the X Games four times. With that being said, let's get right into it. It's great to have you on. Um, I really appreciate you having on you coming on. It's really funny because we were just talking earlier. Uh, you lived or we live like five minutes apart from each other. Yeah. And it's really funny that we've never actually connected, even though we're both in action sports and we're both you know, really close to each other. It's just, it's funny. Um, so I guess I just want, I'll just have you go into a little quick intro into you and, you know, your backstory and what you're known for. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I told you, I'm sort of a Lancaster transport. I uh, I grew up outside of Philadelphia, uh, near King of Prussia area. I went to Springford High School. And my father, Randy, he always owned um, the Harley shop in Lancaster. So Lancaster Harley-Davidson was our family dealership. But I lived near, like outside Philly, and my dad was a pro racer. So when me and my sister, my sister Shana races as well, which is the the joke. I'm always Shana's brother, but uh, yeah. So we grew up racing, and then yeah, one thing after the other. Um, you do the local races, you do well, you do the regional races, and then it happened quick. I felt like because I really didn't start racing full time till I was like 14 years old. Like I wrestled growing up, I ran track. I did other sports, played ice hockey. And then, yeah, it just happened quick. Like we started, it started picking up. Like I was 14, 15. Uh, the new CRF 450 just came out around that time, which was like a, a big deal. Like it was a four stroke bike. Uh, Carmichael was racing it, uh, Kevin Windham. And then my dad got me that bike. Racing got serious. And then before I knew it, two years later, I was pro, uh, a pro rider. So happened quick. And then, yeah, I've, uh, I did the pro racing life from 2006 to uh, I just retired this year. So 2022, I was a pro. So, yeah, long journey. And we're still making chapters, just a little bit different from now on. So, yeah, that's awesome. I had no idea that your dad owned the Harley Davidson dealership. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense why you got into racing. Um, so you went into how you got into racing. Um, I guess just go into more detail because like, you definitely have a lot of su success from what I've seen in racing. You won two championships. You went to the X Games four times. So let's walk into like, what did it take to go pro and flat track? I come from motocross, so I know what that takes and yeah. you know, or at least the ATV side of things. So I'm just curious. I, I've only known one other person who did flat track. Uh, I'm just curious, like what goes into it? You know, like how much of a time commitment is it? Yeah, I mean, the level of the level of work that goes into professional sports these these last i would say the last decade has really elevated and you see it in moto you see it in road racing you see it in pretty much all action sports like so much everyone's leveled up everyone's at training facilities everybody's you know factories are getting involved and in flat track the sports really grown the last five, six years. I mean, we were in the X games for four years, which if you told me I was going to be in the X games when I was 10 years old. I would have been like, for what? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like if you said flat track would be in the X games, not on my bingo card. So yeah. So we did the X games that kind of grew the sport a little bit. Um, ESPN actually did a segment on me and my sister that showed, they showed before the X games started, which was a huge deal. I was really cool, man. I was, I was blessed for that. But so we did the X games for four years and then uh, we started, we were on NBC sports. I think it was the timeline. Then we ended up being on Fox sports. So the TV coverage got better and I'm not exactly sure why it all of a sudden started to elevate. Cause I feel like the first 10 years I was a pro, it was pretty low key. Like it wasn't, I mean, it was pro racing. We're getting paychecks, but 
it didn't level up to where we started. We started seeing a lot more sponsors and um, and other people involved. I mean, even other action sports athletes like Travis Pastrana, he's he's come out and done flat track races. Ryan Villapoto, Chad Reed, Mark Marquez, all these you know really popular riders in other disciplines. They they drew some interest in flat track, and that really helped my career and what I was doing. Unfortunately, I, I just retired. I think it's still growing. I wish I had another 10 years in me, but yeah, it's actually, the journey has been crazy um, to see the sport grow and then my career kind of grow as well. So did you have like a lot of training to do for pro? Obviously it's a lot of riding and getting fast, but motocross is a lot of like, you know, you need to be healthy and athletic. Is that the same for, I'm assuming it's the same for flat track? Yeah, I mean, in moto, it's probably the percentage of athletes that train that hard are probably greater than flat track. But for myself personally, I train really hard. So I'm kind of known as the guy who, um, who trains hard. Cause I, I never felt like I had the talent as some of the other riders that I raced with. So I would always just try to outwork them. Um, you know, I bicycle a lot. I run, uh, just a lot of training goes into it, but yeah, I mean, training for me has always been kind of fun. I've always enjoyed going out and, uh, riding my bicycle. I, just got done riding my bicycle like an hour ago. So, uh, I, yeah, it's turned into a hobby for me. It's something I love to do. It doesn't really feel like a grind, but yeah, that, that aspect of the sport has elevated too. Uh, there's, there's guys I race with that, you know, they can, they can do pro mountain bike, you know, they run marathons. Like there's really athletic flat track racers where back in the day it was pretty blue collar. Like dudes were smoking cigs on the starting line and, um, it, it was like a lot more partying all night. I mean, there's still guys that have fun and party, but it's, uh, it's gotten way more serious. And I think it, it's gotten serious because of the money. Like there's big money that, you, you know, good, pretty good money that you can win. And that's the thing, like the narrative in flat track, it's, oh, you know, this is, you can't make any money doing it. And it's like, yeah, you can, like, we need to treat this, like, you know, it's a job to get the respect of what motocross and, and those other disciplines are at. So, yeah. So walk me through, like, when you went pro, how'd that experience go? And how many years did it take you? And like, you know, was it a big slap in the face when you went pro and like just the speed difference from where you were at before? And then walk me through like the championships and the years in between, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I was a cocky kid, man. I was an entitled, <laughs> really cocky young kid coming up. Um, so my dad, we owned the Harley shop and a lot of things, and it wasn't my fault or my sister's fault. It's kind of all we knew, but we got things pretty easily because of who our dad was. And then, so I turned pro in 06 and yeah, I, I got my ass kicked. Like it, it was not easy at all. I, I thought it would come a lot easier and I didn't really understand how racing worked back then. Like, uh, like again, I said, I, I was, I felt entitled and I never really put the work in. And then in 2010, my dad actually passed away. So everything that we had kind of like the factory amateur racer deal we kind of had it flipped and it was the opposite and that's a whole nother story to talk about but um we didn't have much after that you know my dad had a lot of uh, a lot of debt uh you know a lot of credit card bills we had to cover and it we almost retired me and shana uh, right after he passed away you know we didn't have the funds to go racing so so the journey was kind of crazy um i I helped Shane out for a few years. I didn't even race for two years, like two full years. I barely raced at all. You know, I was just kind of getting sponsors, helping her. And then Shana won her first pro race. She was the first ever female, my sister Shana, to win a pro race in 2011. And that was big news. And honestly, that kind of motivated me. Like for her to have that success, 
And then she won three more races the following year. It's like, man, this is awesome. I'm proud of my sis, but I don't want to look back and have regrets when I'm 50, 60 years old. So got back on the saddle, grinded out. It's a long story, you know, but, um, yeah, in 2019, I ended up, I think I was 30, 31, 32 years old. I, you know, who wins a, their first pro title at two, 32 years old? I mean, most guys are retired by then. And I won my first championship in 2019, 32 years old. And, uh, a lot of people might've thought it was a fluke, you know, cause I'd never had success up, up till that point. Like I was kind of not consistent. And then two years later, we won a second one and we won it by a hundred points. Like <sighs> it was, uh, we, we did so well that year. And that was kind of like a stamp where I was like, all right, so we have two now. And, and then this year we, um, and then two, the two other years, um, 2020 and this year we finished runner up. So two championships, two runner up finishes the last four years. So uh, and then I retired, I retired. I won my last race. Um, I just, we had about a month ago in Daytona and I won my, won my final race. We came up short on the, on the title, uh, seven points, but, uh, I won the, won my final ever pro race. So that was, you know, that was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. It definitely sounds like you, after that first fluke that you said people might've, uh, believed you definitely stamped yourself on top as, you know, one of the greats, I would assume. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm so I grew up in the sport. Like my, like I said, my dad was a pro to eat. So that, that word kind of, I don't think that, I mean, there's guys that are way more talented than I am, but I'm proud of what I've been able to do. You yeah. know, as a kid that grew up in the sport and, um, like I said, I never felt like I had the talent of some of those riders. So to be mentioned in the same breath as other champions at the pro level, there's, it's a short list and, yeah. uh, it's humbling for me. It's, it's, I'm grateful for it. So, yeah. So let's go into X Games. Like, what does it take to get into the X Games? Not only you, but also your sister, Shayna. And how was that experience? How cool was it? You guys racing together? I'm assuming, did you guys race together? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, <clears throat> we need an event first, right? So the X Games, it's kind of crazy. I was thinking about this the other day, how, how the events change so much. Um, like, they had rollerblading in the X Games when I was younger. And now, like, you know, they don't have rollerblading. They had... Yeah rally cross and Dora cross and then harley davidson came on board as a sponsor of the x games and harley's big in the flat track and they had they brought flat track in and i was thankful to be picked as one of the 24 riders uh all four years i got picked and i think there's only 10 of us that got picked every year so that experience man it, it it's it was so crazy to me just you know being treated like royalty going to that event free shit everywhere like in the athlete lounge, um, Ryan Sheckler, uh, Nyjah Houston, Lil Wayne would walk, like he would come to the, some of the events and walk through the athlete lounge. And I'm sitting there, like you could pick out who the flat track racers were because like all the free food they had, they had like boxes of cliff <laughs> of like cliff bars. And like these guys are, they, you know, Nyjah Houston or whatever makes millions. So, uh, but I, I don't, and these are free cliff bars. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like shoving all the cliff bars in my bag and, um just the whole experience was was so rad like yeah it was it was a cool time to be like to where i was at and how that all happened to do it for four years we did two years in austin texas and then we did two years in minneapolis um austin texas is like my favorite city i had so much fun yeah, in, i love austin in austin and then we went to minneapolis and it was okay but yeah i mean cool experience i always kind of did bad there for whatever reason, like the one year I qualified pretty good, like sixth or seventh and I crashed and, um, just never like did well, 
but my brother-in-law Briar, he actually got a silver the last year we were there. So you know, my sister's husband in his house, he's got a, a silver X Games medal. Yeah, and uh, I'm a little jealous, but it's cool. Like <laughs> at least one of us got something. So, yeah, yeah. So you and your sister were the first bro sis competition in X Games history. Yeah, no yeah, I guess that's the stat. It's kind of a it's a weird stat, but yeah, we it's, it's super cool. No, it's cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm by default because of Shana's talent as a female, we have a lot of like first brother sister um yeah. kind of like accomplishments, but that's kind of what X Games kind of highlighted when we they did the feature on us was the um kind of like losing our father and then being the first brother and sister to uh to compete at the uh at the X Games. So, yeah, it was cool. Um yeah, just the overall experience being there with your sister and your family. And I would always take my buddies. Like every year I would bring like three or four more buddies to come with and kind of soak up my crew. Like just let them be a part of the experience. Yeah. Like here's your badge. You can go wherever you want. Like we would go on top of the mega ramp. We would, I mean, there is, if you go back and watch the X Games from those years, you watch any of the other events, you can like see me in the crowd, like like right by the ramps, like yeah. just enjoying the whole thing. Um so yeah, I met a lot of great people there, a lot of different athletes that I still keep in touch with. So yeah, it was a it was a cool experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Walk me through your craziest story of your racing career. It doesn't have to be X Games, but just when I say the craziest story, man, it happens every week. Yeah, I mean, it's uh we get nasty sometimes, man. It's just a really aggressive cutthroat sport. I mean, you're going 140 mile an hour. Um it's like a high-speed roller derby um, on motorcycles. I mean, the speeds we go on the miles, we go 140, so there's drafting, and there's no runoff, right? So in moto, not only is it lower speeds, but if you go off the track, if you avoid a hay bale, you're just going to go off into the grass. But in flat track, most of the tracks we run have walls or guardrails, and it's a really sketchy sport. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can't, it's hard for me to pinpoint one specific instance, but... Thankfully, I, I'm relatively unscathed. Um, it's kind of funny, all the riders are like, yeah, you got out pretty healthy. Um, I have metal in my arm. Like, I have, a, I have a metal rod in my arm. I have metal screws in my ankle. Like, I have metal in, like, three different parts of my body, and I relatively, you know, they're like, yeah, you're relatively healthy. It's like, yeah, <laughs> a couple metal parts. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> I'd be here all day thinking about it. So much happens uh, every race, too. I mean, I think the... The coolest moment for me was probably probably my first ever podium in the premier class. Um, it was Arizona mile. It was 110 degrees. It was so hot. We wear leather suits, like 30-pound leather suits. So it's, um, it's already hot, like just in your clothes. But then we put on these leather suits, helmets, boots. We're riding these 330-pound bikes where like a dirt bike is like 220. You know, we're on these heavy motorcycles, and the track went – it was awful. It was rough. It was in the desert. And, uh, I just grinded it out. Nobody thought I would get a podium there. Cause I think my best ever finish up to that was like a seventh. And, uh, with the conditions and my, you know, my training and, uh, I ended up third and, uh, I celebrated with, uh, I went to cheesecake factory and had a cheesecake. <laughs> that's, uh, that's your craziest story. Well, I was so tired, dude. I was shot out. Like I, you know, everyone's like, let's go have a beer. And I was so hot and tired from the race. Yeah. I had a cheesecake and I went to bed and that was it. So yeah, yeah I'm pretty lame. Walk me through your decision to retire. You, you said that yeah, you 32 is old for a championship, but what really made that? Cause I mean, we see people like Chad Reed where he's, 
I don't even know how old he is, but he's still going. He's still racing even to this day. You know, he still just did that Australian race or wherever it was, uh, one of the overseas Supercross races. So just take me through that uh, experience, the decision. Yeah. Um, so for me, I've always, I, I put a lot into racing. Like for me, it was a, it was a full-time job and the level of fitness that I had to dedicate and time to be where I, where I ended up, it, it's just a grind. And, you know, I, um, I bought a house in Florida two years ago, or actually, no, it was only a year ago, like one year ago, I bought a house in Florida. But prior to that, I would always go down to Florida for three months, rent an Airbnb. We would train everything I did for, the last 10 years has, you know, 15 years actually has revolved around being good at racing motorcycles. And some guys can naturally just wake up, um, screw around and just go ride and they're good. Like talent takes you so far for me, it's been a grind and mentally it's just gotten to the point where, um, I just was burnt out. So I actually thought about retiring last year at the end of 2021, I won my second championship I didn't feel like I had anything else to prove, uh, but sponsors, I waited too long to make the call. I kind of screwed around. Sponsors called me up. Hey, you know, let's do this deal for next year. Let's do this deal again. And before I knew it, I had all these good deals in front of me where, um, you know, I need to get paid. I have a family and, and I was like, well, I, I guess I'm racing again. So, um, so we went into this season and, uh, you know, I still feel like I can win. I mean, I did, I won five races this year. I still feel like I'm competitive to win. Um, and a big deciding factor, I had a really good friend of mine who actually went to garden spot, uh, Ryan Varnes, and he passed away in July at a race I was at. And it really, it really put things into perspective. Like we have people that, um, it's sad, man, but we have people that pass away way too frequently. Like it's probably every other year we have a rider mm -hmm. and, uh, that hit home. Like Ryan was a kid that I traveled with. I mentored, um, he was just like, I spent a lot of time with Ryan and, and it happened in the race I was in, like in the race I was in where that happened, he lined up next to me, he jumped the start, he crashed. Um, we were literally on the side of the track watching it, watching it all go down. And it really shook me up. Um, my little boy Cruz came out during that red flag and it, everything hit me right there. Perspective. It's like, man, you know, I can keep doing this, but there's so much more that I want to do in life. Um, there's more to Corey Texer than just Corey the racer. And I think it's time. So honestly, it was hard to finish the year. Like we still had half a season, but I won that race. So I, I went out there and I won that race, which is insane to think about. Um, it takes a certain kind of psycho to go out there and, and win that race. So I won that race. Um, and I grinded out the year, but man, I didn't ride great the, the, the rest of the year this year. Um, I really struggled just getting comfortable. Um, it took a lot, it took a lot out of me. So yeah, I think combination of that and, you know, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm like, I'm training. I, I feel good on the bike. I, I just, I'm 35. I could probably race no problem to my early forties, mid forties. But like I said, there's just more in life I want to do. Uh, I haven't discovered exactly what that is, but I have a five-year-old son, Cruz, who, who rides and my wife, Amber, she's been doing, she's been grinding out this journey with me for, since I've been a pro, she's been alongside of me. Um, so it's time to next chapter my life a little. Um, I'm already sad about some of the, you know, everyone's, the schedule came out and everyone's getting ready and I'm just like wandering around aimlessly. Like, I guess this is, I'm not racing anymore. It's <laughs> yeah. so weird. So we'll see where it goes, but it's been, um, it's been an incredible journey and, uh, I'm just, 
I, I say it a lot, but I'm grateful for, for, for all of it. So, yeah. I want to go back before we exit out of the racing uh, talking. I want to talk about your dad a little bit. Obviously, he had a massive impact on you getting into racing and he owned the Harley dealership and supported you. But um, I guess just walk me through like how challenging it was it when you guys, when you and your sister had to race on your own, you know? Yeah. Um, well, we didn't know it'd be challenging because, and it's any, it's any kid that grows up privileged. Like it's, you don't, you don't know no different. That's all you've known. So like people that hammer kids at like, like the Deegan family, they get hammered and like, dude, they work hard. Uh, you know, Hayden doesn't know no different. He's grown into that. It's not like they're less deserving. And I, we kind of felt the same thing. It was like, Oh, they're only good because of this and that. It's like, it's, you know, you don't realize how challenging it can get. I actually think it was worse for us to be privileged, have it taken away. And we didn't know how to build it back up. Like we never had to, we always relied on my dad to, Mm -hmm. to kind of lead the ship. And, um, it would have been very easily, easy for us to just quit. I mean, um, his, my dad's mom, uh, everybody like involved with my dad, they pretty much said like, it'd be stupid for you guys to keep racing. Um, there was many, many nights in the shop where we would just, not know what we were doing, trying to make it work, spending all of our money, eating rice, sleeping in the van. And uh, we made it work, but man, it was challenging. And those early years that we had to figure out how to do it, it made me appreciate racing again. Like I didn't appreciate where, like being a pro um, until, until we lost my dad, really. And then I learned to kind of appreciate it because there was a point where I, I wasn't racing for two years. I didn't know if I'd ever race again. So the appreciation level went up um, after that all happened. Yeah. It's awesome to see that change of perspective. And then how did you and your sister work together? You explained it a little bit, but you took off two years to help her. Yeah. I mean, we just didn't have money. So, um, my dad had so many bills and you would think like, Oh, they inherited a bunch of dude. We know we didn't like it. You know, again, like that's a, we could do a four hour podcast on like the logistics of how that all played out after my dad passed away, but it wasn't an easy journey. And man, Shayna was so close. Like a female has never won a national and she would podium, podium. She was so close. And I knew if we could get her just, just the support she needed, she could get that win. It would, it would just change our lives. And, um, and it really did like she won, but it put us on the map as a family. So yeah, she would kind of travel the races. I would call up the sponsors and try to get money. And at the time we weren't high prospects. So like we would only get a certain amount of money and it's like, well, you know, that's good for Shayna. It doesn't really help me. So yeah, it just helped Shayna. And then later on in my career, like in our career, she turned around and helped me in return. So yeah, we're, um, we've ridden for different teams throughout the years. She's been a Red Bull athlete. She rode for factory Indian. I'm on a Yamaha, but it's nice having, um, she's my sister. So, you know, we always could kind of come off the track and help each other. And, uh, I love my sister, man. She's, I'm probably her biggest fan. And, um, I'm just grateful to have Shayna as my sister. You know, it's been a, it's been a cool journey and, uh, she's the best. She's a unique cat, man. She's, she's a, she's something else, but, uh, yeah, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. Coming up through the ranks, did you guys race against each other? Yeah, I guess you asked that about the X games too. We did race, we raced a little bit here and there. Um, mainly so a little bit, she was old, she's younger than me, four years. So we would kind of, race a little bit i remember she beat me when we were young really young she beat me um we were riding 100 since she beat me at a race i was pissed uh <laughs> i couldn't believe my little sister beat me but then like she's winning nationals so like 
there was a rider who, um, he actually tried to hammer me last year on social media. He's like, oh, this is the kid that gets beat by his little sister. I'm like, bro, she beats you too. I'd rather get beat by my sister than somebody else's sister. So, uh, yeah, we, we did a couple years there together, um, where we, we were on the same starting line, but it was never, she probably wanted to beat me more than I wanted to beat her. I, I didn't really, I mean, if she beats me, I'm stoked for her, but she was pretty com more competitive with it than I was. Um, it's kind of funny. We, uh, she, she might argue this, but we have, I didn't even know this till like after the race, but we have, I, we were tied in wins in the, at the pro level. Like, so I have two championships, but wins and podiums, we were tied leading up to the last race in my career <laughs> and I won and I got a podium. So now I think she's like arguing the stats, I don't really <laughs> yeah. care. but I think I have one more win than her. That's hilarious. But, uh, she's, she's racing next year. So I hope she gets it back. But yeah. yeah, at this point I got one more win and one more podium. That's Jay. awesome. Yeah. So you said you got out of racing and you have some other stuff going on. And I know like you have the podcast and you have, uh, Corey texture race promotions so walk me through what outside of racing what do you have going on dude i've done so much random stuff just to make it um i had a clothing line i did i did um uh yeah i do the podcast tank slapping podcast where we talk about racing and stuff like that we've had travis pastrana on and kenny roberts and just some really well-known racers uh, over the years as our guests and then yeah i started promoting races um as a racer, I'd go to all these non-national events and I thought they were ran pretty shitty. So I'm like, man, um, I, I actually went to a race and I was arguing with the promoter about something common sense that he wasn't doing. He's like, why don't you promote your own race? And I was, I almost yelled at it. I was like, oh wait, maybe I will. <laughs> so I went back and I promoted the winter throwdown. That was my first event. This is going on our fifth year. It's the biggest amateur flat track race in the country. Now we have 780 entries every year over the two days of racing it's an ama national it's a featured national uh it's it's gone crazy so the race promotions thing um it's it's a lot of work i, I like it but it's rewarding to give racers a fun event to go to um but man it's a lot of work man i just it's so much work i, I don't want to do it for the rest of my life but I, I enjoy doing it now so i do that um yeah, anything I can that makes sense. I try to do some different things. I actually just got hired by Moto America. They're the road racing series in America to be their mini cup director for next year. So I'm running their mini cup series and I, anything racing related two wheels, if, if it makes sense for me to do, I'm, a, I'm pickier now what I try to do. Cause I, my time's valuable and I want to spend time with my family. Like my wife, she's probably going crazy just cause I've been so busy since I retired. I, I've been so busy already. Um, I need to make time for, for the fam, but yeah, anything I can, I, I have a hard time saying no. So, yeah. So is that your job going into next year is the moto, whatever <laughs> moto America? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's kind of my title, I guess. That's like what I'm mainly focusing on, but mm -hmm. I'll do my race promotions. I'll do the podcast. Um, I'll stay involved in a couple, I do some rider coaching, but, um, yeah, I, I guess that's my job. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I, it's one of my jobs. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> I had never thought about it, but yeah, that's my job. So yeah. I'm not a racer anymore. So, huh? <laughs> yeah. So next I want to ask you about cruise. So I actually, so I obviously work with Adam and I was at Adam's shop one day and we were filming, we had never ended up using it, but we were filming like ads and he pulled up cruise's shirt and I didn't even know that I knew of you, but I didn't know that you're, 
your kid had his own personal brand. So then I looked him up and he has over 100,000 Instagram followers and you guys sell merch on his website. So one, how did you get into like promoting him? I'm assuming he just started going viral on Instagram because it's awesome. And then two, it's like, how did it get to where it is now? Yeah, so it's yeah, it's crazy, man. I, I wanted my kid to be a golfer growing up. I didn't <laughs> want him to get into racing, but he's around he's around the best racers daily. So he's around all these guys, and naturally he just sees it. You know, his his aunt is Shayna. You know, his dad is a racer. Uh, so anyway, it happened quick. We we took the Strider route. Um, he loved the Strider. He he naturally had a lot of balance on the Strider. Um, and then after the Strider, we did the Stasic, right? So it got started kind of on the Stasic, like riding a Strider around is not that entertaining for a kid. So we did the Stasic and I remember he jumped on it for the first time and I was like, oh, wow. I was like, wow. Like, I'm like, that was, that was good. And I'm, I'm like yelling to slow him down. And I'm like, yo, slow down, dude. Like, and he was ripping right away. So, um, but it was in, it was like November when he started riding. So it started getting cold and I have a big basement. So I'm like, you know, he wants to ride. He keeps picking the bike up, but it's like, I'm not going outside. It's too cold. So I took him down the basement and uh, I have a concrete basement. I remember he did a burnout. It was like, I didn't tell him to do a burnout. Like you can't really teach a two-year-old much. He just picked the bike up and started doing a burnout. And I thought it was funny. So like I picked it up, started filming it. And I was like, Hey, like to my wife, Amber, cause it's kind of a weird thing. You don't really want kids to have social media too young. Like it's kind of weird. Like, I don't know, but I'm like, this is like, really cool and i would post it on my page it would get a ton of views i'm like let's just start his own channel um on instagram so we can like look back on all the videos and have memories for ourselves so but the basement thing was like he would slide the bike just really good and natural like the balance that he has there's pro riders that don't do it so i would just start posting it and one video hit and he like went up to five thousand followers then like um stasic hit us up he did the supercross stasic challenge at orlando so he did that with like Tim Ferry's son and a bunch of like well-known people as uh he just turned three. So he was doing the the Stasic challenge. It's like the three to nine year olds. And he was like the only three year old. It was kind of cool. But like then like we just kept posting. Then one video went big. I don't know, he had a video that had like a couple million. And then um anyway, it just like it took off. It made him a TikTok. I hate TikTok, but I was like, let's just try this TikTok thing. And we put a video up on TikTok. It got like 27 million views and uh he jumped. Dude, he has like a quarter million followers. So it's very weird because now he's five. So the journey has went from a Stasic to a PW50 to a Cobra. Now he's on a Cobra. He just turned five. Um, and it, the journey's weird because I have fans that come up to me at my races and want his autograph. <laughs> they don't, they look past me. They're like, hey, we follow your son on social media. We saw that his dad raced something. We looked up. And there was one, two hours from our house. We came and we wanted to get your son's autograph. I'm like, well, that's pretty weird. That was awesome. Um, I'm Corey, by the way. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I race too. And uh, no, so the journey with him has been, uh, we have so much fun with it. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been pretty crazy how fast it's, it's elevated. Like he's five now. He's uh, Cobra. Um, he's on Cobras, which is like a super fast 18 horsepower bike. And, uh, yeah, I will see where it goes from here, but we did a bunch of races this year. He, he won a handful of really big races and he loves riding. So, um, it gets him off his iPad, it gets him outside. And that was the biggest thing, just keeping him active, going outside and, and doing like old school kid things, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so this is the defying odds podcast. When I say defying odds, what 
is there a story or is there a time in your life that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I just think in general, like the things we've talked about, um, you know, the journey that I've had in racing and what I've had to t- what I've had to do to get to that point. I think it's just good for anybody and you don't have to be a racer. You don't have to, um, you know, know anything about action sports, but, um, if you want something, you can make it happen. And it's, it's crazy because if you could have seen my career early on in my pro career, I was getting, you know, I was like 50th in qualify. I was, you know, way in the back of the pack. And I just think I just wanted it more than the other riders. Like I was fully dedicated on being good at racing, um, getting better at racing, I, I, I should say. Um, and I just, everything I did, all everything that rev- my life revolved around um, being successful at racing, it's what I truly wanted. Like you live once, um, if you really want something, go put the work in and do it. Like, you know, ca- I'm, I'm real big on accountability. And if you don't look in the mirror and realize that there's some sort of problem, for why you're not where you're at. If you're always pointing at the other guy and saying, well, he has all this, it's not fair. It's like, life's not fair. Like there's a reason he has what he has. He didn't just get, get it handed to him. So I think accountability is big for anybody chasing success in sports, business, finance. Um, if you look in the mirror and you have accountability, you realize there's a problem, you're going to get better and you're going to fix it. If you just dodge accountability, um, you don't recognize there's a problem and you don't find a way to fix it. So, yeah, I would just say um, hard work, um, accountability. Again, that's my like my favorite word. People get tired. All my <laughs> the kids I train, they get so tired of me hearing because I help out a lot of younger riders, mm-hmm. and and they'll come in and they'll like be pissed about their bike, and I'm like, I didn't ask you about your bike. I'm like, what can you do better? And that's a big thing for me is, um, you know, and it, I wasn't like that when I was younger. I was a big excuse maker, and I actually had it on my gas tank of my motorcycles. I got a sticker made. And it was no excuses. Um, and it, it more than anything, it was a reminder for me. It's like, hey, don't make excuses. Figure out what you did wrong and make it better. And um, I think a lot of my career, the success that I've gotten in my later years is just because of that. So, um, yeah, in general, if you want something, go do it. Get it done. So Awesome. I think that's a great pl- place to end it. So, Corey, thank you so much for coming on. This is rad, man. This is cool. I appreciate it. Really cool setup. And, uh, yeah, it was fun. And looking forward to uh, the other podcast you do down the road. Thank you. Awesome.